Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. In the New Testament Gospel of John, Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Unfortunately, that's exactly what pornography can do to your marriage. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg Smalley, who is in charge of our Focus on the Family Marriage Department, and we're going to be addressing this very sensitive topic today and offer some hope for healing. Here's part of a conversation as we begin with Focus President Jim Daly. Um, He and I spoke with Nick and Michelle Stumbo from Pure Desire Ministries, and the Stumbos have an amazing story of how God redeemed their marriage from pornography. Nick and Michelle, welcome to Focus. Yeah, Thank thanks you. so much for having us. I know this is a, a very difficult subject, but you are so open about it. I think a lot of people are going to be helped and hopefully healed from some of the, um, you know, the things that they're dealing with. So thank yeah, you for that so. transparency. Yeah. Uh, Nick, I'm going to start with you and go through a few questions, and then we're, Michelle, going to get you in there pretty quickly. But you grew up in a godly Christian home. I mean, you are going to be the, the kind of the terror of all of us Christian parents who think we did the formula correctly. Yeah. But describe that. Your dad and grandfather were pastors. You became a pastor yourself. uh, And then that addiction took over of pornography for like 17 years. Um, Where did it start for you? What was the shame factor? Just give us a picture. Yeah, my family is, I think, very typical of what we see in Christian homes. Uh, When we do events around the country with Pure Desire, we'll routinely ask, you know, how many of you grew up in a home that discussed sexual things or uh, sexuality in an open and honest way. And routinely, only 2 to 3% of the audience will raise their hands. Mm-hmm. So the vast majority of us are growing up in very spiritual, godly homes that have disconnected from our sexuality and don't know how to handle it. And so I learned at a very young age that anything sexual was uh, secretive. And because of that, it felt shameful, that there was this sense the church taught me um, sex is only for marriage, and anything outside of that is wrong. And, and I knew that message clearly. But when things started to enter into my life that um, were of a sexual nature, you know, being at friend's house and being shown things or on a bus, at, you know, sporting trips, that sort of thing, your immediate reaction is, well, this isn't something safe to share with my parents. I, I need to figure it out alone. And so I uh, just entered into that struggle of um, never wanting to do it. You know, I didn't ever live a double life where I have this secret stash that I was just trying to keep from people. Uh, in my life, every time, and I think this is common for Christian men, every time was going to be the last time. Never again. I don't need it. I don't want it. And yet there are systems being established in your brain and in your thinking um, and how you're dealing with life that just continue to take you back. Yeah. You know, to paint the scope of this, there's some data that you had in your book. Uh, just give us some of the statistics that paint a picture for us uh, about the uh, depth and the width of this. Yeah, we have been doing research through Pure Desire for a number of years, and um, we use something called the sexual addiction screening test to just kind of gauge a person's level of struggle. And uh, through years of this reporting, we found that 68% of men are struggling with sexually compulsive behavior. 68% of men. And and that number, I think, seems high to us because we, we, we dismiss or minimize a lot of these things. Just like I said earlier in my story, if a man is saying, oh, that was the last time it'll never happen again, we don't think of ourselves as having a struggle, but when a real black and white yes-no question says, have you ever you know, struggled with something that felt shameful, and that's a yes, that's indicative of a problem. 
Uh, and then we also find that 25 to 30 percent of Christian women have sexual dependency issues of their own of some kind. Now, yeah. that might be more of a love addiction, a relationship addiction, or it could be struggles of their own with pornography because it's not just a man's issue. You know, it's men and women. In fact, uh, the fastest growing demographic of pornography consumption is college-age women. And I think in our society that that's actually a reaction to what's happening among college-age men. The college-age women feel the need to find out, well, what's going on? What do I need to be to attract a guy and to get him to like me? And so they enter into it almost out of curiosity and then become hooked in their own ways. That 68% is within the church. Yes. Is that correct? Yep. I mean, again, that's even more breathtaking Yeah. that it's uh, not a secular data point. And that means we have a problem. Yeah. Within the community. Uh, as you counsel men and women um, dealing with this kind of sexual brokenness, how is that women's addiction? I mean, you describe it as wanting to understand men. Is it that simple or are more and more women exploring that as a means for satisfaction, for self-gratification? Yeah. Well, at its root, any addictive behavior really is a coping mechanism in our lives, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol or something sexual like pornography, that the root issue is we're looking for a way to medicate pain or to deal with intense emotions like failure and rejection. So for men or women, that can be what drives it to us. And I'm, I think for women, the curiosity of what are men looking at might be where it starts, just like for a teenage boy it's probably not medicating their pain that starts them into pornography. It's that they've got hormones and there's access to it. And so they see these images that capture their thoughts and imagination. And then it gets fused to a way of dealing with the unpleasant negative emotions of life. Because in those moments of acting out with pornography, someone can feel all the things they're not in the rest of their life. They feel wanted and desired and respected and like they're perfect, that they're everything they wanted to be. And even though it can be followed by an avalanche of guilt and shame, it's still that draw. So that, that can happen for women just as easily it can be for men. Um, you know, women tend not to be as visual, and so it's still a little less likely. But women have just as many intense negative emotions that they're trying to deal with as men do. And that sexual outlet can become a reliable place to feel something uh, that really fills up those holes or that sense of emptiness. Right. You know, that applies across the culture. The least common denominator seems to be what human beings are aiming for rather than something beautiful, something grand. And it's so unfortunate. Boy, the Stumbos described some pretty serious things there, some um, chilling things. The effects of pornography are so significant. Uh, Greg, how should someone respond when he or she discovers that their spouse has a pornography problem? Well, I think you used a very important word that I want to underscore. You talked about how do you respond to your spouse. So we either react to someone or we respond. Reacting is when we are stirred up, we're shut down, we're angry, it, and, and usually nothing good comes from that state of being. Okay. So if I'm reacting to you, John, I'm, I'm yelling, I'm being critical, and, and we're not going to go anywhere. Responding means that, that I have had some time to think this through. I've prayed about this. I've gotten my heart back open. I'm calm. I desire to be loving. I want to seek to understand you before you understanding me. So there, there's a big difference. Okay, so the, the spouse comes and admits, I have a problem. Now, I can't imagine any of us responding in that moment. I mean, it's going to be an emotional reaction to such 
an admission, right? It absolutely would be. So how do I buy the time? I mean, how do I say, wow, that's a real... I, I, I'm trying to figure out, because yeah. I haven't had to deal with this, fortunately, but it seems like emotions would lead into immediate accusations and everything you're describing. And how would that work out? Hmm. It would hurt your spouse. It'll hurt you. Nothing good comes from when I'm reacting. All I'm suggesting is that if you stumble across this, that you take some time first to to pray and, and get your heart right. Or if it's your spouse's confessing and this is the first you're hearing, why don't you just say, you know what, thank you for sharing. I'm going to need a little bit of time just to just to kind of get myself at a better place so that we can talk about this. Mm-hmm. So that that's all I'm suggesting is that the worst thing that we can do for both the individual and for the relationship is to try to have a conversation when I'm in reaction mode versus really taking some time to, to pray and get myself ready for this so that, so that we can begin to do this in a healthy way. So turn it around if you would, Greg, and talk to the person who is saying, I have been caught up in this and I'm, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And I want to have that conversation. I, I need to disclose this to my spouse, but I, I don't want them to do the reaction thing. Yeah. The, again, the best thing that you can do is to take some time, really pray about this, confess this to a good same-sex friend that you trust so that now the secret's out. This, is, this has got some light to it. You're not hiding something. And, and you can begin to pray, God, give me insight into what was going on for me. Mm-hmm. Because when you confess to your spouse, it has to be done in a way to where you're accepting full responsibility. Yeah. This isn't about, well, if, if we were having sex more or if you were just whatever. I mean, that's, that's the worst thing that you can do. So giving yourself some time to really pray to to get right with God to where you're confessing that mm-hmm. and seeking forgiveness of God first then you can turn around and and have that conversation with your spouse now realize that you've now had some time to adjust to this information. Right. So don't expect that your spouse is going to go, oh, wow, okay, thank you for sharing yeah. that. Tell me all about that. It just yeah, so, so how do I even broach the subject? I mean, do I just say, hey, I have something important to talk about? And you've, you've said this kind of thing before in terms of having a good, open conversation with my mates. So just give me a script for the person listening saying, yeah, okay, I want to get there, but I don't even know how to start it because she's going to fly off the handle. Yeah, this is where if you have young kids that maybe you've made arrangements for a babysitter to where you're you're telling your spouse, listen, I, I want to share something. I want to talk about something. Um, it would tonight be a good time. Mm. And and then you just you, you go into that conversation understanding that they may react. And if they start to react in a way that isn't productive, it's okay to say, let I really want to take this serious. Why don't we go and see a counselor? We can have this conversation or I need a break. I'll be back. We'll keep talking. It's just, it's not easy, but it definitely can be done. Mm -hmm. You just need to be prepared and open in having had that conversation first with God. Yeah, I was going to say, you have to be prayed up, if you will. Very much. So, listen, we have caring Christian counselors here at Focus on the Family, and um, they've talked to plenty of people who have been uh, the admittors or the discovered in pornography or the ones wounded by a spouse who's been involved uh, or has had a, a pornography addiction. 
uh, call us and set up a time for a free uh, over-the-phone consultation. They'll talk with you. They'll pray with you. They'll help you uh, get a handle on what's going on right now. Uh, our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family. And we want to help, but you got to call. And if we've helped you in your spiritual life, in your marriage uh, as a parent, let me ask you to make a donation to help cover the costs of those counselors and the other services we provide to families. Uh, make a generous donation of any amount today, and we'll send a complimentary copy of Nick Stumbo's book, Setting Us Free. It tells more of his story. It's a great resource. And trust me, somebody in your circles needs this book. So contact us today. Make a donation. Uh, the details are in the episode notes. Next time, you'll hear more from Nick and Michelle. For now, on behalf of Greg Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.